Hello, I'm Louise Makshari and welcome to Real Talk with Real Mums, a podcast that looks at the issues of everyday pregnancy with healthcare professionals and the real women who have gone through the pregnancy journey. We were blown away by the response to the first episode, so thank you so much to all of you that tuned in. Don't forget, you can always get in touch and follow us on Twitter at Real Mums Podcast. We are thrilled to be joined later by Joe Woods, a staff midwife here in the Rotunda Hospital in Dublin. But first, our real mum is the lovely Alwyn Lies, who is mum to busy and babbling 14-month-old Luca. So I suppose we better just start with your experience of having your son. How was it for you? Uh, Pregnancy was interesting primarily because I just got on with it. I didn't kind of have that moment of 12 weeks scan and first visit and I kind of got on with it and... It was, I think, the anomaly scan at around 22 weeks when I think it actually hit me that I was pregnant. Mm. I've been walking around with a bump and kicks and the whole thing and it was very much uh, tick the boxes as I progressed throughout my pregnancy from a very professional standpoint. Um, for, yeah, from a midwifery standpoint. And I was like, everything's going fine. I'm doing this. I'm doing all of the things I should be doing. Perfect. Like you were your own patient. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And yeah, and I, yeah, it was 20 weeks again. And I think it actually was the two of us, myself and my partner. We kind of, I went for the 20 weeks and I was like, oh my God, is, is, is another person going to be around soon? Yes, yeah, so I do remember clearly sitting in the car afterwards going, right, okay. From that moment of, yeah, realisation. But the pregnancy progressed perfectly well. I had midwifery led care all the way through and um, I made, I don't know whether even to say it was a mistake, but I made uh, the decision we needed to buy a house. We we were in the process of buying a house before I got pregnant Mm -hmm. and of course it was very long and drawn out. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people tend to do this. I've heard that this is quite common and in fact I'm having that compulsion currently. (laughs) Please don't do it. Please don't do it. Yeah so we ended up moving in a couple of days before I had him. Wow. So yeah there were still boxes I think up until like two weeks ago. So it, it yeah it was a couple of days and then all of the stuff that we had ordered online so the buggy and the crib and everything literally arrived in the few days before we arrived we we moved in and then me having them and uh my waters broke at about quarter past three in the morning and uh my partner was a december delivery he was born in december my partner had uh, reason to suspect whether i was actually telling the truth because i had had a couple well a false alarm um I had a hot water bottle in the bed and rolled over on it and <laughs> had got up in the middle of the night going oh this is it oh my god I was 36 weeks pregnant oh can I just say it's just so comforting to me to hear that you a professional midwife have made this mistake panicked. I got up out of bed going okay I have to go to the bathroom okay right okay so I'm gonna get changed I'm gonna have a shower okay 36 weeks what do I need and then I was like what only like from my belly that's wet this is very funny what's going on and then it kind of dawned on me I just hadn't closed the hot water bottle properly mm. and I went back to bed <laughs> laughing at which point he was like what's going on it's like I thought my water was broke at which point he was awake yeah you know very much awake but yeah he still laughs at it and jokes at it it's like oh yeah the midwife who didn't even know if her waters had broke but yeah when they did break I knew all about it and so did he so we went in and um nothing had happened and nothing continued to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I got a contraction like once every 20 minutes. 
and about 18 hours later I ended up back in the hospital and so they sent you home yeah 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 and I did so just let's get this timeline so your Mm. water's broke at home yeah so you said okay let's go to the hospital yeah let's go get checked out make sure all good no problems and they sent me back in back home um I also do and that's quite common isn't it oh absolutely absolutely yeah 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 and ideal almost because you got somebody they they send you home and you take your own temperature, make sure your waters are clear, that obviously you're not having any bleeding yeah. and that, you know, you've no, you've no temperature, you're not feeling unwell. The primary concern is infection. So if you're feeling well, you go home, have a nap. The last thing you want is to be standing around in a hospital, looking at the clock, wandering around the place, reading all the magazines and panicked. Yeah. Going, when is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? Yeah. And the worst thing is as well when you start texting all your relatives. Yeah. <laughs> because then all, all they do is panic as well. Yeah. And then they spend the next 24 hours, 48 hours on the phone to you going, what's going on? Yeah. What's going on now? And then they tell their neighbours and their friends yeah. who also bug them. <laughs> so it's, it's a ripple effect. So yeah. the best idea is to get you home and into a comfortable environment. And get you doing things that will relax you, that will get you into that place where you can progress without any interruptions or any sort of, you know, external, uh, yeah, external interruptions. So you went home and then what happened? Uh, I took a nap, had some breakfast and uh, yeah, did all of the things. I went through bouncing on the ball, had a bath, uh, had a little walk around the house, watched some telly. And yeah, nothing happened really at all. Uh, so I went back in about 18 hours later, which is when they tell you to come back in. And you know, I went to an assessment unit and they uh, had a little listen into baby. All was well, no problems. Waters had definitely gone and there was, I was no temperature or anything like that. So we went in for an induction and uh, I went into the labor room on my own, had my music ready, the whole thing. And can uh, I just I did not know about the music I although I do vaguely remember there being music so sometimes it's on and sometimes it's not right it can depend sometimes it's so busy you forget to turn it on and you get to pick the music yeah. okay now you can bring your own headphones right and, you know you have your own music and some people actually have um like playlists yeah that I they have decided I did that actually. yeah I have I made a playlist of, I'm making a playlist and I listen to it every single day walking home it was a real kind of calmer yeah. you know get your head into the game just relaxing and taking a nice walk and I stroll home and it was lovely mm. because I got into that relaxed state very quickly and very yeah. easily and it was almost like a little Pavlovian response you start and it still happens now yeah um I can't remember what the song is now, but yes, yeah, if the one or two of them kind of actually just have that lovely, relaxing and calmy, floaty feeling. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I went in, basically listened to that, and I yeah I they started with the induction. I got a sweep, and I think that's probably what did it more than the drip. The so for women drip. who are listening, who are like, what's a sweep? Oh right, okay. So it's usually offered to women. It can be offered to women at the latter part of their pregnancy, usually at the end. Yeah, I was offered one on my due date, but then they couldn't because I was completely closed up. Yeah, so if the cervix is favorable, what we call favorable, so if it's soft enough to admit a tip, the finger. So basically you're sweeping the membranes, which is the bag of water that holds the baby, away from the cervix, which can increase the amount of localized hormone to help soften the cervix again to help the 
to help labor basically. to get things going basically exactly, right yeah. yeah so because of that it just basically my my body went right so lads off we go but I also had the drip on top of it so three hours later I think I was about six centimeters but unfortunately my son's decided to take a a, a, a u-turn and drop his head to one side so he was almost coming out ear first okay so that's not a position that's deliverable no so we went for a section and uh then the epidural didn't work so we went for a section under general anesthetic so technically i wasn't there for the delivery yeah um but postnatally i mean i woke up in the theater and and obviously was surrounded by people that i was familiar with i mean the whole environment of course i would be familiar with so it's it's something that you're kind of I think I had a little bit more inside information about it and, and it didn't seem like a a scary or unfamiliar yeah. environment. And I, I, I really had such faith in the people yeah. that were there taking care of me. Yeah. Because I knew from experience this is what this is what you do, this is what you're trained for. Yeah. So if things go wrong or not the way you plan, this is exactly what they they are trained to do. This is what you drill for. Mm. So even though it was like, you know, okay, there's an emergency section. Oh yeah, okay, this is an emergency, emergency section. Because his heart started, the heartbeat started to drop. Um, and even though, yeah, you, we're going to have to, you know, epidural isn't working and we're just really going to have to go now. That, even though I wasn't conscious on it, and even though I was aware, right, okay, this is me going out now. Mm. Um, I was still comfortable knowing that... I was going to be fine and baby was going to be mm. fine. Um, I think when I came around the amount of drugs in my system as well, I had me a little bit woozy. Mm. I think anybody coming out of theatre has a little bit woozy. Mm. So, but all of the hormones that mm. usually give you that lovely sense of bonding and closeness were actually, you know, increased. I was just flying. It yeah. was amazing. Yeah. So, and even after that, so the... Because when Luca was born, he was born, he gave a big cry. The pediatric team were very happy with him. Mm. The midwife brought him over. And even though I wasn't conscious, she gave him skin to skin with me on my cheek, wow. uh, just on my cheek and my neck. And in hearing so he got that, that, so he got the skin to skin. Yeah. And that, in hearing that, that was the foundation of my bond with him yeah. throughout. And, and always will be, is yeah. that regardless of the mode of delivery mm. and yes I wasn't there for the second he was born mm. I'm there for the rest of it mm. you know and um, how and I suppose like you know you mentioned there that for you you're in a unique position because obviously you're a midwife so you're familiar with all of these processes and maybe it was a little less scary for you than it might be for someone else Um, these are the kinds of things that even when you weren't conscious that were being done for you yeah. because the people who you were surrounded with are experts exactly this is what we're this is what our job is. And I think what a lot of people want to know is the unknown. You know, what's going to happen when or if? And is this normal? Mm. And all of those, if there is an abnormal, we will tell you. If there is yeah. something that goes wrong, you will be informed. I think it's the fear of lack of control mm. half the time yeah. that even if things don't go to plan, mm. this is what we're here for. It's our job to worry. Yeah, It's our job to facilitate normal where possible yeah so even if it is an emergency section under general anesthetic 
that doesn't mean that your baby doesn't get skin to skin. So we've talked about some of the resources, the kind of paper resources that are available from the hospital, but there are also classes available in the hospital as well. Did you take any of them or did you yeah. feel kind of prepped? I absolutely did. So the antenatal classes were good to understand what was available in the hospital and what wasn't for me from the point of view of, right, well, I've got my own birthing ball. I've Am I bringing that in? Do I need to bring in, you know, everything from music food you know whatever I had a very good idea of what I shouldn't bring in so you have seen in the past people coming in with suitcases like big I'm going away for two weeks suitcases Mm -hmm. one of the things I think that is really good to remember is that your partner goes home and then can come back again so if you are in need of a new baby grow more pajamas um I'm actually starving and I you know I can't eat any of this food or I feel like I only want this they can go and get it for you that's absolutely fine um and inevitably that's going to happen at some point where you're like actually will you get me this oh yeah my my husband was like sent down to uh like Henry Street almost immediately because everything I'd brought suddenly seemed wrong I know (laughs) and that's the thing isn't it because even if you've prep prep prepped like at the time you learn that actually this is what I want or this is what I need and for me it was like 17 more packets of maternity pads and more breast pads and yeah I feel like if I just had them actually I would (laughs) (laughs) the other thing is as well is they need to bring home stuff yeah so once yeah stuff gets messy baby's born you don't need that nightdress that yeah. you know pair of disposable underwear that yeah. is, you know you it's a really sexy else. time <laughs> it's charming um yeah so you don't need these things anymore yeah. what you do need now is your comfy pajamas your good slippers yeah. you know you need your dressing gown and you need your own towel i think sometimes is really important to have your own kind of mm. you know that you you bring from home um what you don't need is um ipad laptop you don't need all of those things sometimes people bring headphones into to um you know whether they're skyping on their phone Mm. relatives anything like that that's great Mm. because i think especially if you're sharing a ward postnatally it's very respectful for the person next door doesn't actually need to be who's trying to breastfeed their baby you're trying to get them to sleep and you're listening to somebody going congratulations yeah right next to you that can be but i think it's it's yeah it's there's, it's about as much about what you don't bring as well as what you do bring as well but you learned some of those guidelines in an antenatal class yeah um did you take any other classes because there are breastfeeding classes and yeah. there's aren't there's classes on nutrition and things like that exactly. yeah we have a nutritional workshop here as well which is free of charge we also have the breastfeeding workshop which is brilliant breastfeeding is one of the things antenatally you can prepare for yes postnatally you need support for and putting those supports in place antenatally is really important your public health nurse has that role so you you absolutely can get help here we have postnatal breastfeeding classes as well but your public health nurse is fantastic and they usually have a breastfeeding support group in the area that Mm -hmm. you live if not there's loads of different organizations like we do like the lesh league who are quite happy to provide you facebook has a huge amount of breastfeeding support groups all of which I used as yeah. well my local public health nurse came and to visit me a couple of days after Luca was born she took one look at me and was like you're coming to the breastfeeding group it didn't actually matter whether the women in the group were breastfeeding or not it was in order to build up a community of women mm-hmm. she started a whatsapp group there was 53 women when I joined 14 months ago 
That's really interesting to hear because I, I had a really hard time breastfeeding. Um, and I, I I wish I had done more antenatally to prepare myself but to be honest at this point I'm willing to accept that I think it just wasn't going to go my way um the way that I wanted it to as in I wasn't going to just magically feed my baby from the from the get-go um but I because it didn't work out the way that I wanted to and I I I really wanted to just purely breastfeed and that just didn't happen for me for a load of different reasons um and so I combination fed and then I ended up actually pumping mostly for the first four months um I felt like I couldn't go to most of the groups in my area because in my head they were breastfeeding groups and people would look down their nose at me because I was feeding my child from a bottle and it didn't matter that it was breast milk I felt like I would be judged so it's really interesting to hear that in your experience it actually didn't matter it didn't matter from my experience from what from the point of view of the public health nurse she did not care because I combined fed my son as well he had problems putting on weight you know obviously after a section had a lot of problems producing milk my Mm -hmm. supply was down Mm -hmm. so and at the same time I felt that I wasn't really kind of this isn't 100% for me because of all these exclusive breastfeeders and I remember the first time I took out a bottle to feed him at that group yeah and thinking am I gonna get looks am I gonna have people mentioning things and saying things no not one person did and I think uh, the pressure that we put on ourselves after we have a baby to do everything right, mm. in, you know, quotation yeah, mark, quotes, yeah. right, that it, 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 it is almost, we're our own, enemy, our own worst enemy. We really are. And I think whatever works for you and your baby mm. is essentially the thing it is right that's what's right and it's I mean I think obviously we're making this podcast and people are listening to this podcast so hopefully that will help them prepare and and be aware of the fact that these things can happen and that you may have these feelings and that that's totally normal um but going back to kind of your process of being in the hospital and preparing yourself in that way um you know I suppose what's coming through for me is that there are really amazing resources in maternity hospitals in Ireland and that if you need help or if you have questions like you should absolutely feel free to ask for that help or to like I didn't even realize the first time that there are such amazing mental health services within these hospitals. Not just that so for example if you have any questions first and foremost yes the answer is usually in the literature that we provide you the very first booking visit if it's not there you can call and ask it does not mean you can't get it from us at all or even at at your visits at your visit as well write it down there's nothing nicer than somebody who comes in with a list I'm a big fan of lists so if somebody comes in with a list and says these are all my queries you come out go okay that's everything off my chest I don't have any other problems going forward fine so I want to ask you just one more question um, and I suppose I'm asking you this more from the midwife perspective midwife perspective rather than uh, from the mother perspective because you've described what happened for you but you talked really beautifully earlier about after your cesarean and you know because obviously you were you had a general anesthetic you weren't conscious but that the midwife brought your your brand new baby over to you and and he got to experience that skin to skin with you so my experience um was my son was taken to the neonatal unit immediately well he was worked on immediately in the room and then taken so he right like literally when he came out he was put on my stomach for maybe 10 seconds and then he was gone we didn't get to hold him for a couple of days um and I'm just conscious of the fact that there may be people listening who will have that experience of of not getting those initial bonding moments um you know which I'm really hoping for that that I'll get with this pregnancy um now I know that I am bonded with my son 
and I'm not it's not something that I worry about now but at the time it, it felt like you know really quite traumatic so from your perspective as a midwife you've presumably seen this happen I mean it can't be that uncommon particularly I think when you're dealing with premature babies what what would you say to someone who who misses out on that bit the I did worry about that for myself yeah um and it was something that because uh, well yes because you were you weren't uh, conscious yeah I wasn't there there was that that whole idea of you know you're supposed supposed to get skin to skin immediately baby yeah. stay, stays with you for the first hour at least and then you start you initiate the breastfeeding yeah. and the whole thing and that's exactly it starts this cascade of bonding um one of the things that I believe um after that experience is that it is as much about your perspective as it is about physiology you are experiencing obviously a separation in your head in your body innately you want to be able to hold that baby constantly you do not want to be separated um and that is really hard to deal with really hard to deal with if you know that that baby is absolutely yours you're absolutely there there is nothing that's going to separate you in the future but the best place for that baby right now is in the NICU or is being taken care of by the pediatricians or wherever they are at that time Mm. I think that your perspective knowing that that this doesn't change who you are as their mother Mm -hmm. you are always going to be their mother Mm -hmm. they're always going to be your child there is nothing that can happen in the neonatal room in 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 the delivery suite that's going to change that Mm -hmm. and fundamentally that was my perspective going forward Mm -hmm. even though I was aware I wasn't going to be there when he was born Mm -hmm. and neither was my partner so neither of us were kind of in the room consciously if you know what I mean um he's still very much ours and there was nothing that was going to change that yeah i think people get very um stuck at the idea of i i need to i have to have the skin to skin i have to have you know him you know the baby has to be with me constantly yeah i need to get the first breastfeed underway otherwise and then also people saying you know if i if i give one bottle that's it breastfeeding is done Mm. there's a certain element of you kind of if you can compare that to well I had a Chinese my diet's ruined it doesn't mean you're never going to eat a salad again yeah it's you're you're you, you know you always this is who you are fundamentally yeah. you're a mother it doesn't matter whether they're in the NICU this is who you are this is who they are yeah. that bond is is much stronger than separation yeah so that's always going to be if the, if that's at your at at the at the basis of your understanding yeah I think getting your head around that always helps yeah that regardless of where they are they're always going to be yours because at some point they're going to be off traveling the world <laughs> and you're going to be no. wondering yeah absolutely traveling the world no, they're going to be I at would some send them off tomorrow to be honest about yeah <laughs> um yeah one way trip to India I'll be go see you later um and yeah like I I think it's it can be a massive wrench and it's so traumatic because it's not just about oh I really want my baby it's visceral like and your hormones hormones are everywhere you're starting to produce milk and you can't 
hold this baby. It's really difficult. And there's nothing that we can do but telling you this baby is in the right place right now. We have no interest in taking your baby away from you. None whatsoever. The Rotunda doesn't have a nursery. Yeah. We love seeing mums and babies together. Yeah. That dyad is essentially what we want. The successful separation of mum and baby and then you go home together again. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. Um, and as a new family little unit where, you know, I think unfortunately it does happen that babies do need extra care mm. and in every way possible we would facilitate mums and dads and extended family where possible to be available to the baby at all times mm. now obviously logistics come into it and practicalities of care whether it's you know changing baby feeding baby giving medication that kind of thing we need to make sure those things are done and, and the care of the baby is first and foremost mm. um but also we're there to facilitate this new family and watch it grow essentially yeah so i guess it's it's that you know it's keeping in mind that the the well-being of your baby is the first priority and that that sometimes means that you sacrifice those experiences that maybe you've imagined but that there is not irreparable damage being done yeah it doesn't mean you're not going to be upset about it either yeah and i think some people have uh, an idea of what they want of what they expect and that gives you a certain level of comfort of course it does you have to kind of um imagine what's going to happen first because the unknown is quite scary mm-hmm. um and in order to get over that you have to imagine what could happen and you decide right okay everything's going to be fine I'm going to do this and then this is going to happen and naturally everything's going to be perfect mm-hmm. and when it's not it's really hard you have to in a sense grieve for the perfect delivery that you thought you were going to have mm-hmm. or you have to grieve for that first hour first day first week mm-hmm. or first month that you thought was going to happen and I think getting over that is the first hurdle and then after that you can build a relationship on the foundation of doesn't matter I'm yeah. still your mom yeah it doesn't matter you're still my baby doesn't it you know we're still a family and that's always going to be the way of it well thank you so much Alwyn you've been very generous with your experience both as a midwife and as a mother so thank much appreciated much. and I hope you guys have a lovely life together as thank a beautiful you. little family thanks a million I'm joined now by a very tired midwife who has just completed a week of nights and has very kindly offered to come and speak to us today. So firstly, thank you so much for being with us, Joe. We really appreciate it. We really wanted to take it back to basics with you today. For those women out there who may be experiencing their first child, what can they expect from a booking visit? So um, ideally, like when you book, you can either ring the Rotunda, first of all, yourself to tell them you're pregnant and to arrange your booking visit, or you can go to your GP and your GP will confirm your pregnancy and send a referral letter to the Rotunda. But um, ideally in a straightforward case, you come in around 11 to 13 weeks um, and you meet the midwife and the midwife um, takes your blood pressure and does a urine test just to check for basic like protein, infection, etc. Um, they do a full set of bloods and then they go through a detailed question, um, like a list of questions to go through medical, surgical, any kind of relevant history that might change your care so that the midwives can plan your care for the pregnancy. And then when everything is finished, then you meet a doctor and um, or uh, someone in the scan department either and they do a scan, 
to confirm the heartbeat of the baby and to confirm if it's a single pregnancy or multiple pregnancies. You mentioned bloods there, Joe. Are there many taken and can you eat beforehand? Um, I, yeah, like have your breakfast or lunch whenever time your visit is. Um, eat as normal. You shouldn't be fasting. Um, but like it's not much blood that they take, but they take a detailed blood screening. Um, even if you've booked in the Rotunda before, like they still do a fresh set, fresh set of bloods every time. Primarily your full blood count um, to check your blood group. It's important to know what your blood group is in pregnancy and um, to check your serology status. So to check like HIV, hepatitis and um, your immunity then towards like varicella and um, all the kind of relevant kind of bloods that might possibly alter your care um, to have a baseline so that they know exactly your kind of your basic bloods. And Joe, if I was a patient with any serological issues like HIV or hepatitis C, would that change my care? Are there other supports? Yeah, so we have multiple different um, clinics. So that's why your booking visit, when it's an early booking, it's important around 10 to 13 weeks um, so that we can plan your care for the whole pregnancy. Um, obviously, every woman is different and some people need kind of they're more high risk. So we have, um, to name a few, there's um, the diabetic clinic twins clinic um, recurrent miscarriage clinic there's also what's called dove and that means danger of viral exposure so the likes of ladies with hepatitis b hepatitis c um, any hepatitis um, hiv um, not necessarily them bloods but they might be like say drug um, abusing parents or ex drug abusing parents um, on the methadone program etc but we have a drug liaison midwife and um, the, the team there like you know plan and prioritize the care and you know like ensure regular visits um, and keeping them up to date we have the social work department we have mental health uh, support like it's really important to disclose everything from the get-go and even if it wasn't we can kind of you know inform of the, w- the woman of all the services available and then they might need to link back in throughout the pregnancy we can refer even after the booking visit um, so and sometimes you know even from the bloods something might be highlighted from the get-go that the lady might have ever known um, and that often happens sometimes and uh, then we put the right measures in place you know to help their and to plan their pregnancy. What piece of advice would you give to a woman who is coming into the hospital say next week to deliver their first child? As a midwife working in the delivery suite what are the things you've seen in the bags that are completely unnecessary and on the other side items that people may overlook but actually would come in really handy yeah so okay i'll break it down i'll do mom and baby so say for baby for example um you need the clothes essentially for the baby so vests and baby grows um hats and nappies so that's they're the four more most essential things for babies vest baby grow hat and nappy and even when you first enter the delivery room to have your baby that's what the kind of first thing I ask is for you know I always sometimes the dads can be standing there a bit awkward and I'd often say do you mind getting me out the vest baby grow hat and nappy to have ready for the first outfit so I'd encourage yeah and advise um, a couple of vests baby grows hats and nappies and um, because you'll go through no matter how long you're in the hospital like you know you might go through two or three a day depending on accidents or baby getting sick or whatever so that's for baby Um, wipes are important as well you can bring cotton wool but it's quite difficult to change the nappy especially the first few uh, poos and um, so water wipes are really good and um, for the baby it's up to you whether you want to bring a soother or not like it's totally preference Um, if you want to and uh, we have like we have towels as well but as well some people to, do tend to bring their own little towel for the baby's first bath they also tend to bring their own blankets again we provide towels and blankets for baby 
um, there's nothing really else there for baby but then for mum I really encourage um, good supportive underwear <laughs> key um, the Bridget Jones knickers that you can find um, black ones is, is good because you know if you're bleeding and stuff so good supportive underwear um, like nice kind of cotton or light um, night dresses and um, nothing too heavy because it's very very warm in the hospital so a good few about three or four um, uh, night dresses and uh, yeah good supportive underwear um pads the maternity pads are really good uh, the green ones in particular they're like you know them they're in the chemist you can buy them they're quite uh, big and um, but sometimes the the normal kind of like say always pads and the period pads can be quite small so you need to double up on the big pads um, and then just like your toiletry bag as if you were you know going away for a weekend just like your toiletries for showering and stuff and your face wash deodorant um, something which is important as well I think I've, I've noticed and I've kind of picked up on is a bit of change to have in your bag there's vending machines in the shop you know especially in the middle of the night if you've a bit, bit peckish and even for the partners for the car park or for the parking on the street like it's just handy to have loose change and um, phone chargers some women like you know go and bring in like eye masks and ear muffs ear, ear, muff, ear um, you know not even earphones earplugs sorry excuse me yeah just for like noise but at the end of the day it's you're going to just be sleeping when you can, do you know? So, but again, if you want to bring it, like, no probs. Um, and then something to wear on for the for the day home, like to go home, um, a new outfit to, to, to wear going home, um, a house coat or a dressing gown. That's the the big thing, like, whether you say one or, one or the other house coat or dressing gown, real Dublin thing. Um, so, yeah, just to have um, flip-flops for the shower. We have towels. Um... What else? Well, you can bring your own towel as well, but like or slippers as well. Then for walking around, and um, just something comfortable, like you know, like I wouldn't be going bringing a big full face of makeup and hair straighteners or any of that crack. Like it's totally up to you if you want to wash your hair or not. Um, I think there are hair dryers, but very few women would, to be honest. Like they just their hair is up in the bun and they're so tired that it's not really a glamour you know um but at the same time obviously you know bring a bit of dry shampoo bring a bit of lipstick if you want if it makes you feel good um but you know each to their own you know <laughs> so in cases of emergency joe what would be your best advice for a mum whether they live in dublin or outside if they feel like something is wrong so the one thing i'd say like is from the get-go as soon as you've booked or you've chose your hospital that you're going to go to have the number in your phone between yourself and your partner whoever's going to be with you like just have the number saved because in you can't predict an emergency but like sometimes if an emergency happens you panic and you can't even think to google the number or something so i'd say definitely save the rotunda's number in your phone or your chosen hospital's number in, the, in your phone and um, when you ring the rotunda service anyway um, you get put through to the receptionist and she'd ask you know hello rotunda hospital how can i help you and you just say i need to speak to a midwife and then you're transferred to the emergency room now there is a telephone service when you get transferred you know and it kind of has a few little options like if you're concerned that your waters have broken or whatever it will tell you come in so you don't have to actually speak with a woman a midwife directly and um, some of the answers might be is like an, a, a service an automated service that might go through step by step and then the kind of or like if you're concerned with your baby's movements it might say come in or um but then um it might say just hold the line then and we'll you can speak with a midwife but we do have a phone service and we give you speak with a midwife over the phone um, and we give you advice appropriately and we tell you either possibly go to your GP because it might necessarily be um, a pregnancy related condition, you know, and um, they might have 
football and they broke broken their hip or not, or not their hip but their ankle or something you know and it's more of a generalised hospital um, so it's trying to plan like where they go um, or if it's just maybe to repeat a prescription we just encourage maybe to go to your GP in the morning you know because the emergency room service is really for you know it's, it's an obstetric like it's a obs and gynae hospital and um, so we see like you know antenatal so before baby interpartum which is labour and postnatal as well but we also see gynae women do you know and we see babies you know once you've had your baby you're covered in the rotunda hospital um, any maternity hospital for six weeks after delivery so the mum is welcome back at any stage for six weeks because if she's concerned with bleeding she's not coping uh, infection whatever the case may be six weeks is when she's um the doors are still open for her um, and similar for baby it's two weeks so if, we're, if they're concerned with the baby's jaundice levels with the weight the feeding etc there's different um you know they're welcome to come back again through the emergency rooms if somebody is a new mum who's struggling to cope after the baby has arrived what sorts of support are available to them from the hospital so we have we have very a great team here in the rotunda the mental health support midwives and we have um a professor uh, dr sheehan as well he's like the consultant like um psychologist that would be linked in as well and um, so like again going back to the booking visit you know it's kind of like if you know when you're asked questions if you've ever suffered with like anxiety or depression we kind of flag from the get-go however some someone who's never suffered before might only develop it antenatally so like you know a bit of like antenatal like depression or fear or anxiety over the pregnancy or the labor um, and then they might have had a traumatic delivery and their post-traumatic stress um, and then afterwards as well you could just the, the baby blues but it might develop into postnatal depression and stuff um, so it's important to have first of all a good support service do you know even family situation wise and friends and some someone who you can confide in or talk to um, and if you feel that's not appropriate if that's not like feasible like the rotunda like if you come back in we will talk to you like straight away you'll meet a midwife straight away whether it's the day or the night we mightn't necessarily get you seen straight away by the mental health support midwife team but we'll make a referral straight away um, and you know some women do have to go on medication you know um, antidepressants antenatally as well like you know and postnatally um, depending on their degree of their condition like you know and um, like most women do get the, the baby blues that we, we talk about and to be honest like it's from the stress of being a new mum whether it's your first baby or your subsequent pregnancies or babies um, but lack of sleep pain like you know very often women have come into me and I've said when was the last time you fed yourself and even the, for them to have to think um, and you know they're starving or and their body is dehydrated they're malnourished they're starving because they've been running around with this newborn baby like haven't slept probably haven't passed urine you know and then even sometimes just sitting down with me giving them pain relief you know give them a cup of tea having a little chat the basics you know and then it's just like like a problem shared is a problem halved you know um, and we would then make the appropriate referral um, from there. Should someone have a partner or a friend with them at hospital visits? Would you recommend women to bring a support along? Um, yeah, no, I would. Um, because if it's your very first time coming in for your booking visit and when the doctor sees you um, and does a scan, like there might be really good news. It could be twins, you know, or triplets, but it could be bad news as well. So I think it would be important, you know, because they might say the pregnancy is no longer viable and there's no heartbeat and to get a shock like that. So I would say, yes, it would be important to have someone there. And, um, you know, even like, you know, not like 
when we do the questions it's only the lady like the woman on her own we always bring in the woman on her own especially like to go through like say domestic violence and stuff because this might be this lady's only time like in pregnancy you're very vulnerable you know and this might be her only time away from her partner to disclose something do you know and that often does happen um, and we have a fantastic like social work service and everyone like involved um, but, and they have to deal with a very it's a very sensitive case at, that, at those times but you know I would say have someone with you um, like, I'm not trying to be pessimistic but just as because I would hate to be that midwife to have been there for that lady and then to see her walk away on her own you know um, or like because sometimes it can be very overwhelming you know the, um, the pregnancy and finally, Joe, what is your favorite thing about being a midwife? That's a hard question. Like, like midwife means with woman. So whether like we have male midwives here in the Rotunda and around Ireland and the world, you're still a midwife. And often people ask that, is he a mid-husband or mid-man or no, it's a midwife. And midwife means with woman. So like my role, I'm assigned to work on the delivery suite. Um, and, you know, it's not all about delivering the baby. That's the easy part. It's even to get the lady to delivering the baby, you know, like because it's to go through all the clinics and to even get them to help with pregnancy and fertility sometimes, like, you know, because some people really struggle getting pregnant um, and it's to carry them through and help them and support them through the um, antenatal period. But my role, like working on the delivery suite, like I might care for a lady all day long and not deliver her baby. Or maybe the doctor might deliver the baby if there's complications or maybe I go home as changeover and shift. Like midwife means with woman. So I'm her advocate for that time. Whoever I'm assigned to at the start of my shift till the end, I want to support, encourage, you know, like guide and help through. And I just I love my job. Like I love delivering babies. I love seeing the face of the parents. I love when they don't know if it's a boy or a girl. An awful lot of people nowadays do. But I love, I think it's extra special when they don't know because to see their face like, oh, it's a boy or it's a girl or letting the dad even say it or whoever. We make a plan who wants to say it first or, you know, even to cut the cord and, you know, to see the face on the mum and dad when I've delivered the baby. And it's a job satisfaction. Like I would like, I love my job. It's a great job. I love it. And I think that is a perfect place to leave it. Joe Woods, thank you very much for joining us today. And thank you so much to everybody for listening. We hope you enjoyed this expert advised and mum approved podcast. Chat to us on Twitter at Real Mums Podcast or visit us online at realtalkwithrealmums.ie. I'm Louise Makshari and this has been Real Talk with Real Mums.